Everybody's got COVID. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just kidding. Everybody's coughing. Oh, my God. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're sharing some books that feature family dynamics. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about why we love to read family dramas. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm good. I have to obviously say up front that my voice mm-hmm. is very scratchy. Yeah. And it sounds pretty good though. It really? doesn't sound too distracting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to power through because I don't want to miss recording, but I do, yes, I do have a head cold. So that's why I sound different. If if anyone wonders why I sound different. If anyone's like, wait I, a minute. I'm not in a tunnel. I really am in my usual spot. <laughs> Yes. Well, you're probably like the majority of the country, I think, at this point. I feel like everybody I know has something. I know. So. I know. But it's the season. <laughs> Lots of fun times. I know. It, I thought for sure I had dodged. Uh, well, I had dodged everything up until this point, but you know, mm-hmm. I was out. Yeah. When you go out, you, it's hard to avoid colds, I guess. I don't know. I've managed to know, do Lily, it for the last few winters. So now it's caught up with me. Lily was had something or right around Christmas. I was like, oh Lord, here we go. But she she kicked it pretty quick. I she rallied. Her, yeah, her little her little medicine. She was okay. But you know, we're in a new year now. Um, so far I feel fine. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure that can change on a dime. It feels nice though to get a little bit back into the swing of things. Oh, for sure. And yeah. actually, I I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm trying to get in the swing of reading. And get in mm-hmm. the flow of 2022, but I'm actually I have some backlists lined up. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love closing the page on one year's book into another year. When I tell you I finished my last book of 2021, I'm not kidding. Probably 10 minutes before midnight. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a joke. I was like quickly trying to like finish the book. I was like, okay, okay, good. We we fit it into 2021. I'm not gonna. Did you bring in any new books into 2022? Like that you were halfway through? Uh, I don't think so. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I haven't started anything actually in in a few days. So it's a weird mix because mm-hmm. I'm bringing a few, like for sure, I want to read in January. But I'm also going to go ahead and start on some backlist too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like my TBR list is truly like ten. 15 books long for January that I want to read immediately. Like these are like immediate reads, a mix of backlists, some ones I didn't get to last year, some new releases, all of that. But, you know, I think I'm kind of reading a little bit differently. I have two books to bring today that are historical fiction, which oh. for me is like, what? I know out of, out of my norm, but all right. You want to jump into Loving Lately? Yes. Why don't you go ahead and start? All right. I sure will. So Today, my loving lately was very heavily influenced by my latest read. And I kind of love when that happens. So my latest read, like I said, was historical fiction. And what it did was it really got me curious to find out what happened in real life with the things I was reading about. So while I went down this rabbit hole, I found the podcast called American Scandal. I will tell you the specific episodes that tie into my book in a minute, but basically this podcast breaks down scandals that broke all throughout American history in the areas of business, politics, sports, society, whatever. And what I like about it is that it paints a picture about what happened, why it was scandalous, who's to blame, and what's going on now with whatever happened. It's hosted by someone named Lindsey Graham, and he is a professional podcast producer and owner of a production company. And he does a really good job. What I like about it is that it also goes into detail about the scandals, but 
Sometimes it's three episodes, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's just one. It really allows itself, I think, the producers do, to take as long as it takes to tell the story, so they do a good job. I like the wide variety of topics. There's everything from stuff I've heard of, like Theranos, to the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal. There's also stuff that I know less about, like Lance Armstrong, the Unabomber, the Tuskegee syphilis study. So there's a lot to dig into here. And like I said, I'll tell you what ties into my latest read in a minute. I will say, normally I hate reenactments. Like in um, when I'm watching true crime or something and I'm like, oh God, here they go. They're like reenacting what they think happened. It's actually not so bad in this in these podcasts. I don't mind it as much. I would say if you like Scandal and if you like history, give this a shot. This was the podcast called American Scandal. Okay. That's new to me. Yeah. Yes. I love finding a new podcast. Like I need more to listen to. Well, My God. <laughs> true. But there's so many good ones out there. So it's it's nice to find something new. My Loving Lately is very simple. It's the Kindle Oasis, which I got for Christmas. Oh. And I'm so, so happy I got it for Christmas because I, I had a paper white, which I absolutely hated. I I hated my paper white so much. Why did you hate your paper because, white? Because, and I know plenty of people love their paper whites. I think mine was defective. I truly do. I've I've had it, f- I think, for two years. And before that, I had a regular Kindle, which was perfectly fine. And then I wanted something waterproof. So I debated and I went with the paper white. And ever since it has slowly stopped working properly. And then I would reset it. I've reset it several times, restored it. And then I think it's defective. So the issue was I, the only way I could turn pages was to actually swipe instead of, you know, like like the tap. Yes. Which would, it was that. And then it would lag. So I would swipe And then there'd be a lag. And I just was avoiding reading on it, which I love to read. And I'm either doing an audiobook or an ebook. So it was really problematic. The Kindle Oasis, I love it. It actually has buttons, which I'm bad. I'm so glad I have buttons again. I I have already read two books that I'm bringing today. I did not have audios for, and I've read them on my Kindle Oasis. And I, I actually really love it. And that's my loving lately. Simple. But I and I love it. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that because I was curious too. And I'm sure the listeners would also like to hear about like the paper white versus the oasis and that your experience. I have a paper white, it's fine. I don't mind it at all. I can never find it though. And that's a me problem. <laughs> I'm always like, I don't know. My kid actually it's right here in front of me. Now that I, I think about it, I organized a little bit over the holiday, but I've been reading on my Kindle app on my iPad. That was my gift for Christmas was a new iPad. So I've never really used an iPad. So I'm really getting into it. But anyway, thanks for bringing that. That's yes. interesting. Well, one other thing that Oasis does have, which I'm mm-hmm. I'm using a little bit at night, is the, I think it's amber light, which it so yeah. it's a dimming, really easy on the eyes. So I'm trying that out lately too. So I really like that. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for the review. Keep us posted if anything changes. <laughs> Oh, oh, definitely. Oh, my. This one better not <laughs> stop I know, working. Better not mess up. All <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you about my latest read. My latest read was The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers. This is a debut and it comes out on March 1st. And it's historical fiction coming of age about a young female seamstress who goes to work in the middle of tobacco country in North Carolina and uncovers the dangerous truth about the tobacco industry. So our protagonist is Maddie Skies. She comes from humble roots. She's from a small town and enjoys her life there until one night her mother wakes her up in the middle of the night and says, hey, we are leaving. She doesn't say where they're going, but she soon finds out that mom is taking her to live with her aunt, who has no idea that they were coming. Maddie's dad was killed during World War II, so mom needs to have her space to find this new husband. And Maddie is surprisingly okay with this transition. It's because her aunt is a well-known seamstress in the area, and she's been learning the craft of sewing and dressmaking from her. It's about to be party season, and the women in the area need all new clothes, so Maddie gets pulled into helping make dresses for the women of the area. And she gets really sucked into the lives of these glamorous wives. They call them the tobacco wives because they're all married to tobacco execs. And she's been rationing for years and didn't have a lot to begin with, so their wealth and status is pretty stunning to her. She gets pulled into the behind the scenes and quickly finds out that not everything is as amazing as it appears on the surface. 
There are secrets, there's drama within the families, but more concerning are their health problems. So women in the area keep losing their pregnancies, and when the babies are born, they tend to have breathing issues and are very underweight. So Maddie ends up getting close to the wife of the owner of the biggest tobacco company in the area, and through their relationship, she uncovers something pretty damning about the business. She's not really sure what to do with this information. She doesn't know who to trust and is pretty sure no one's going to believe her anyway. But she makes a decision and that kind of sets off the trajectory of the rest of the book. I really enjoyed this. I do not read a ton of historical fiction for no real reason other than the stories usually don't call to me. But I loved this idea of a young woman being the one to make these connections that could lead to the end of this industry. The writing was solid and the characters were very well done. I also loved that the author included two LGBT characters in the mix, which was an unexpected but welcome addition. It also taught me a little bit about the history of women's activism during the post-war period. In these kinds of books, I get very nervous that our lead character is going to be too naive or too, I guess, innocent. But I liked Maddie. I thought she held her own. And she read like a girl who was the age she was but also of the time. Like she didn't read like she was coming from the 2000s or whatever. There's also a little tiny love story included, which I enjoyed. And I very much appreciated this epilogue. I did a combination of listen and read with this one. I liked the audio, but I would be curious to know from someone who is Southern if they like the accent. Because I couldn't tell, but I'm like, I don't know that this is an authentic Southern accent, but whatever. What this did, though, was get me very curious to find out the truth about the downfall of big tobacco. And this is how I got into American Scandal. Because I'm like, wait, how did this really happen? What happened at the end? And they have this five-part miniseries about the downfall of big tobacco. And I was very shocked at the year this all went down. But I do hope you give this book a shot. It was The Tobacco Wives by Adele Myers. Okay, that sounds really good. Thanks for putting that on our radars. I really like that you... You did something that I would do at the Ooh, what's that? You were tempted by the epilogue and at the end, and then you went and researched like a research nerd. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. But that's really interesting that you you found that podcast and then you found the other about big tobacco because now I'm re- I'm really curious about that. Oh, I was so curious because it's a big it plays a big role. I was like, wait, how does this all come down? Or does it? Or what's going on? Where is tobacco today? Like it was a big rabbit hole. Okay, well, what is, what have you got? What I have got for you is a new release. My latest read is One Step Too Far by Lisa Gardner, which I brought this to our favorite authors with 2022 books coming out that we did with Adam. This was one of my picks. and mm, I was going to say, I've heard of this yes. book. I don't know where, though. <laughs> you. my auto, She's one of my many auto-read authors, but she's also one, I think I might have mentioned before, one of the only authors I've read every single book that she's written. Everyone. So I've been reading her for years. So One Step Too Far is book two in her new Frankie Elkin series. I definitely think you can for sure start with this book because the author does a great job of providing just enough backstory for Frankie and really. I read book one, which was before she disappeared, and I don't even know that much about Frankie. And that's and so she it's really such a good way to write a series character because Frankie is a missing person investigator and she goes from city to city to city. And oh, okay. so we really, as readers, only get very, very brief glimpses into Frankie's history. And so you're fine. My point is you're fine starting with this one. I actually loved Before She Disappeared too. So either way, Frankie's passion is searching for the missing. And in this story, she travels to Wyoming to help with the case of a man who went missing five years before in a national forest. And that's really all you need to know. Because once she gets there, she quickly gets in and infiltrates herself with the current search group. There's a new search group going out and it's being led by the father of the missing man. And there's a reason that it's going out again, even though it's been five years. So you get, you get a wide group of characters because it's a fairly large search group and they are packing up. They are going to stay. I think it's seven miles. They're going to hike seven miles and 
So this is very much a camping story, if you like that. I mean, it's very much set in the wilderness. Some people in the group are harboring old secrets and grudges. And little by little by little, Lisa Gardner is so good at building suspense. So good. I mean, immediately, I was in. It's it's more of an action type of thriller. It's not a slow build at all. And... I really think if you like mysteries and you like serial killer stories, especially those set in the wilderness, this is going to be for you, for sure. I enjoyed the whole story. I will say I found myself confused towards the end, and I'm not sure I fully bought into the resolution as far as the motive goes. And this is just one of those times where... It didn't matter, but I just it caught. I just kind of paused and was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, it's fine." I'm not sure I buy it, but I don't think I care. Where there are some books that I just it really kind of distracts from the whole story. Not so with this because I enjoyed the entire ride. That is a credit to her and her writing, and it's a very minor criticism. I did think the whole time this would be a great book pairing with The Cold Vanish with, do you remember when I brought mm-hmm. that book? And sure enough- That was immediately what I thought of. Yes. Sure enough, in the author's note, Lisa Gardner talks about that book. And I think that book inspired her and she used it as reference. But I was like, oh, full circle, because I, I thought for sure this would be a great book pairing. And um, That's really all I have to say about this one, because if you like mysteries, I think, and you haven't read Lisa Gardner, definitely give this a try. It's One Step Too Far by Lisa Gardner. Mm, And you said something in here that made me think, hey, maybe this could be for me. It's a missing boy, right? A missing- Missing man. Missing Missing man, man. not Mm -hmm. a missing young girl. No. I can't can't do missing young girls, but maybe like a missing man. I'm like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe I can be tempted. He's an adult and actually- I'm pretty sure it's actually in the main synopsis. They go on a bachelor party. Oh, and they lose one of them? Yeah, and one goes missing. And it's a very, very odd dynamic that happens. Very odd details about how he ends up missing. He just vanishes. Vanishes without a trace. And so his Mm. two friends that had went on the bachelor trip, they're part of the search party. So they so remember when I said secrets and grudges and you know uh, yes she makes it very interesting and gives you lots of people to question and ponder. Nice, mm-hmm. that sounds good. I have not read this author still, but uh, maybe someday she could be your twenty. 20- really can't believe it. Last year you read Sharon Bolton, so this year mm-hmm. you could try Lisa Gardner. Okay, I can do that. I can add that to the list. Right. So I don't know why, but I've always been drawn to reading books about family dynamics. And I really sat down and thought about it. I think I've settled on it's because I'm an only child. And I've like always looked around to others to see how families operate. Is this something that always calls to you, family dynamics or family drama? No, I don't think it always calls to me. But I was also thinking, what do I like about family drama? And I think I love to read about conflicts between people and the site like mm-hmm. maybe the psychology aspect of that and in human behavior is so fascinating and I know it's fascinating to you too so I wonder if that's why I think that's why I'm drawn to family dramas a lot because I don't usually read happy family dramas I read mm-hmm. family dramas filled with problems and conflicts and secrets and betrayals because I want to see how that's going to play out. Okay, this is really interesting because I am an Enneagram 9 and I don't know much about the Enneagram, but I do know that 9s don't like conflict. <laughs> and what I was thinking when I was thinking about family drama or dynamic, I love them if they are super dysfunctional, like super like over the top dysfunctional, like a domestic suspense. Or I like them with heart, something really kind of, they don't have to be sweet, but just something with heart, family sticking together, whatever, working through something. I cannot stand petty drama between family members that just bicker. And I'm like, (laughs) love each other, guys. What are you doing? Like, can't we all just get along? Like, you know, and like, especially with sisters, when sisters like cannot seem to get it together and they always are picking at each other. 
it really, I don't like to read about it and it stresses me out. And I think that's because I'm a nine and I don't like conflict. I wonder. Mm, interesting. So for our purposes, our, we're, we're saying when we say family drama, we're pretty much talking about fiction that has to do with any sort of relationship within a family. It's very yes. broad. Mm-hmm. And now that we're talking about it, I do think there there are some stories that I really like. I really like if the family is supportive, but then you may have one or two of the kids who are struggling. I I got I think I do always like a dynamic where there is some sort of issue mm-hmm. or problem or dysfunction. It just depends also on whether I like any of the characters too. Yeah. So do you think that you have to like at least one of the characters or could you read a whole family drama where you hated everybody? Not hated. I definitely can read about dislikable characters or unlikable characters as long as I am invested in their outcome. If I'm invested in their outcome, I'm good to go because one of the books I'm bringing today I was like, I don't think these characters are likable. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I was curious. I'm like, huh, I bet some folks won't like this book because they're not like super likable characters, but they're very interesting characters. Okay. Well, a book that came to my mind, and I don't know that you, I don't even know if you finished it. The most fun we ever had. That was one I had a lot. I DNF'd it. And I think Mm. it was because, if I remember correctly, I just, I wasn't invested in anyone. And it w- I f- think it was just constant bickering. It was. And I have this as a listed example of one where the drama just feels very petty, constant bickering. I couldn't, I finished it. I don't know why. Because it was set in Chicago, in Oak Park, which is near Chicago. And I wanted, I'm like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And it does get a little deeper that like, you kind of figure out what happened to one of the characters and why people have grudges. But I'm 1,000% with you. That is an example of a book that just didn't do it for me. Okay. Well, I do like dysfunction. I do like coming of age. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. And, you know, I say that. I feel like I'm a little bit contradicting other things that I've said when I say I don't read a lot of kid or teenager as protagonists, which I am changing that for one of my picks today. But I do like coming of age, especially when I can get on board with the teenager or young adult and yeah. and they are trying to to do better and get away from a family that is not working for them or it's very dysfunctional that's my type of coming of age okay so you can't have a character that's on the younger side of things that's being a pest just to be a pest you have to have some motivation I, they need to have a like reason. it has to have some yes. like what are you complaining about, dude? Because I remember you were talking about that one book. It was a thriller, the really chunky one by Ken Follett, who had the daughter of like the president yes. was like a real pain. Never, yes. Mm-hmm. That you, yes, you teased me with that in the bookstore recently that you, yes, you were going to buy for me. <laughs> but you didn't like that that teen perspective. No, I did not. No, she felt she. It seemed like she was just a brat to be a brat. I'm not sure what her reasoning. I'm not sure what the re- there was no reason just because she was a teenager. Okay, so I would like to know: Do you like to read about a lot of dysfunction and drama and secrets and lies and everything between family members? And if so, do you have a certain type of favorite drama? For example. Some family dramas have where they're keeping secrets from each other. Some Mm -hmm. are very serious where it might be drug and alcohol related. Like, Do you have a Mm -hmm. preference for your family drama? I can do all of that. I can do all of that. I like drama that is not expected. So one book that comes to mind is Jamie Attenberg's book. It's All This Could Be Yours. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about it, it's basically the kickoff point is the, the patriarch, the father dies. That's like the whole setup of the book. And the characters do not act in ways that you would expect them to. And there's a very interesting flashback and it gets kind of twisty. I like secrets. I think I just like unexpected. I like, I don't know if I have a specific type. It's so hard with these books. I think it's funny because there are some tropes or there's some angles that I really like. Then there are some that I really don't like. 
And I think it boils down to the petty drama, the bickering. That bugs me. That's something that'll turn me off no matter what the rest of the book is like. What about you? Do you have favorites or? Well, other than the coming of age, I think I really enjoy sister stories. And Mm -hmm. not that they have to be fighting, but I enjoy the dynamics, um, which there's usually some conflict when you get sisters together. And I like that because I don't have a sister and I like reading Mm. sister stories. And I don't need a ton of conflict in those stories, but I like a little. And I like to connect with at least one or two sisters. Mm -hmm. There's something I just really like about that, which is why the most fun I ever had should have worked for me. But I think it's just because there was just too much arguing and fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was. It can be stressful to read about that, especially like for me, if I'm going through something and I'm like, I don't want to read people arguing. Like I don't, you know, I already said this. I don't like arguments. So I'm like, I don't want to read about it. I like to, I'm an only child. I think I said earlier and the book that I really like, I love when fiction is able to capture that only child experience really well. I don't come across it very much at all. One book that comes to mind was Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Mm -hmm. I know, I don't think you've read that one, but that one does a really good job. One of the main characters, she is an only child and talks about how all of the family expectation is put on her because that's it. That's the only one. So I always get a little bit of a delight when when I see that. I think specifically because all families are different than mine. Like, I don't know. Growing up, I didn't know very many people that were only children at all. It was very, I guess, for my age bracket, not super common. So... I'm more interested in the reverse. I'm like, yeah, siblings, whatever. Like if I'm like, ooh, an only child story. Wait, tell me more. I think it's definitely more common now, though. Okay, interesting. You know what we haven't mentioned? Marriage drama. Mm, oh my gosh. Marriage is family. Yeah, yes. like spousal yes. drama. That's always, that's usually kind of fun. It is fun. And you're right. That to me in my brain is like a different category. Marriage drama, marriage gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, I can deal with a husband and wife having some conflict and strife and, and you know, mess up edness. But for some reason, like siblings and families, like I'm like, oh, like, an, I don't know. It, it's weird, right? That's interesting. I know it is weird. And you're right. I do. I guess sometimes I do think like the husband and wife stories are their own separate genre, I guess, when they're not. But still, it seems like they are. But yeah, that's it. I don't know. I like it. I I liked actually having to find specific books for this topic. So mm-hmm. with that being said, would you want to share that? your first one? I am excited. I have no idea what you're, you've been reading for this. I know. I love to surprise I know. you. It's my favorite. My first book, I think it's really going to surprise you. It falls under the family struggle category. It is The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I am surprised as you are that I read it. And it ended up being the last book that I read in 2021. And I really, really enjoyed it. This was the one I was like flipping through the pages right at the end of the year. I'm sure all of you have heard about this book, but just in case you haven't, it is the story of a family from Texas who go through incredible struggle during the Dust Bowl in the Great Depression. It was bad enough that millions of Americans were out of work, but You know, at the time, people were willing to work hard and live humbly, and they could get by until the land itself turned on them and made farming and therefore their way of life impossible. So you have Elsa Wolcott. She is the protagonist, and she had a tough start, but for different reasons. Her family always said the worst things to her, that she was too tall, she was too old, and she was too ugly to get married. So she just accepted that she was destined to be this spinster because it was her only option at the time. And she came for money. Her family had money, but they were so cruel to her. She was basically left out of everything. There's a scene in the beginning where they're listening to a record in their living room and she's not able to come down and hang out with them because they like shun her to her room. It's really messed up. And she escapes, as many of us do, by reading. And one day she reads this book And it really just inspires her. And she goes off and makes this red silk dress. She's like, you know what? Come what may, I'm going to go out to the speakeasy. And she does. And one decision she makes has this consequence that changes the course of her life forever. Fast forward to 1934. Now millions are out of work and uh, a drought has devastated the Great Plains. She does have family of her own now. And she will do absolutely anything she needs to to keep them together. 
And eventually she comes to this pivotal decision. Do we stay in this area and do the best we can or head west to California, which is said to be the land of milk and honey and see what opportunities are out there? I'll leave that there because you don't need to know anything else. But I was all in on this story. It's easy to read. And while, yeah, it's super sad, it's during the Depression, it's also honestly a story about strength and hope. Something about reading this while we are surrounded by Omicron and surrounded by our own stuff, not exactly the same thing, obviously, but I don't know. It made me feel this sense of solidarity. Like, yeah, you know, the country has gone through so many different iterations. I just kept reading and thinking, oh my gosh, this stuff happened. I didn't know about this. Somehow I missed a lot of what happened during the Dust Bowl and during the Great Depression. And I was glad that the book was able to educate me on that. It's about the have and the have-nots and the things that divide us and the things that keep us together. Going into this book, I will say I had a stigma, I guess. I was like, oh, this is going to be dumb, whatever. I don't know why. I think it's because I saw some early reviews that were super negative. And the biggest criticism I heard was that this book is sad. Guys, it was a sad time. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it was during the Great Depression. This stuff was messed up. And the main character, Elsa, she has a hard time, but I actually thought she was a strong character. There were some really, really beautiful thoughts about motherhood and resilience. And I totally get why the author took the story in the direction that she did. And it actually taught me something about myself as a reader. It's that I can be really easily influenced by negative reviews. So that's why I stayed away from this book for so long. And in the new year, I'm going to work on going into books with an open mind and reminding myself just because it doesn't work for somebody, even if I have similar taste, doesn't mean it's a bad book and doesn't mean that it's not for me. I'm really glad I gave this one a shot and I'm glad it closed out my year. It was The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Wow. I would never have guessed that you would have been reading that. And I had the exact same experience. I saw negative reviews about that. And especially mm-hmm. several that said, it's this is a book only about dust and more dust and hot <laughs> dust. And I was like, oh, well, all right. I guess I don't want, I don't really want to read it then. And I, mm-hmm. I, I did exactly that. I haven't read it. Yeah. I, I thought it was worth it. I really, this is only my second book. No, third book by the author. My favorite was The Great Alone. I also really liked The Nightingale. This was somewhere. I mean, it's in the same in the same realm. Not the best book of the year for me, but like this was definitely in the top, I don't know, 25, 30 out of 100 something. So okay. that's saying a lot. Well, so it didn't bother you. The dust issue was not no. part, the main, the whole story then, right? It's the dust bowl, guys. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of dust. No, I mean, no, it was the catalyst for a lot of the things that they had to do, but it, it didn't bug me. Like there was a lot more tea okay. to it. In my opinion. Well, no, you may have put it back on my list because I also like, I love The Great Alone. Had a little bit of an Mm -hmm. issue with with part of the ending, but that's really minor. I love The Nightingale. Mm -hmm. I've loved Mm -hmm. several of her backlist, actually. She's an author I really enjoy. I would say give it a shot. I will say there is an adolescent character that she's kind of a pain in the butt, (laughs) but you kind of see why. You you understand Mm -hmm. her personality, and I think it makes sense within this story. Anyway, let it, let me know if you do decide to try it. Yeah. Well, you said something else that really Ooh. makes my radar go ding ding, and that is What's when that? when characters do something or have something happen to them that changes the course of the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. I love yep. that because yep. I because there's this cross. In I want to know what happened. Like, do we do this or do we do, do we not? Do we stay or do we go? I want to know. They decide. Yeah, that gets me every time. Usually, okay. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that with us. That's funny. And we didn't even plan this, but the first book I want to talk about is one that I had completely disregarded. And I will tell you why. And it's The People We Keep Mm -hmm. by Allison Larkin. And I did listen to this entire entire book. I love the audio. It's Julia Whalen narrates. You cannot go wrong. She narrates The Great Alone, too. I mean, she narrates uh, The Four Winds, Oh, she did The Four Winds? Oh, my gosh. Uh Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I definitely have to try it then. I loved this book so much. And also, talk about family drama. This is family drama and found family. So if you like found families, 
this would definitely be for you. In the beginning, it's set in Little River, New York in 1994. Also, another time period I really enjoy before cell phones. And 16-year-old April Sawicki is living in a motorless motorhome that her father won in a poker game. She is a hard worker. She's waitresses. She loves her job. She loves her guitar. And she loves singing in dive bars around town. She doesn't love school. She's failing, actually. And she's still very traumatized by her mother leaving her years ago. And now her father has remarried and is starting a whole new family. And her father has basically been very neglectful of April. He's left her in the motorless motorhome to care entirely for herself. So she really has no guidance except for Margot who owns the diner that where she works. So something happens between April and her dad, and it makes her decide that she has to leave, and she immediately packs up and goes. And that's where people I have seen around have said that this is a road trip story. To me, this is not really an entire road trip story. She does get on the road and go, but I think I <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, I don't want to read a road trip story about a girl who goes in different places to different places playing her guitar. That's what I thought it was about. Me too. It's not. It actually it, okay, it yeah. actually really isn't. She does go to different places, but she stays. Her first stop is Ithaca, New York. And there, things happen that will change April's life forever. And that's what I have in my notes, Tina. And then, like, we just talked about that aspect. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. So this is set over the course of a few years, which I also really liked. But I really, really liked April. And this story, so this is something I learned and we also didn't plan to talk about something we learned in our about our reading lives from some of the, these books. But what I learned about this book is it had something that I want more of in my 2022 reading. And that is character-driven plot twists. Because this was very much a character-driven book. I mean, this is the story of April and the people that she meets along the way who become her family and, you know, some one or two people from her past that she can't forget about. And it's about the family that you make. Now, things don't always go as planned. And so that's where the plot twist came in. And that's what I'm talking about. Like in a story like this, it felt suspenseful because I was worried about the decisions that the characters were making. Mm-hmm. And what was going to happen as a result of those choices. And I loved feeling like that. And I loved, like, I keep, it it makes it a binge read for me. So many of the characters, especially April, were so flawed. I wanted to shake her many times. But then I also wanted to shake her dad and her mom. And then I wanted to hug so many of the other characters. I wanted to sit down and have a glass of wine with with one of the characters. I wanted to sit and have coffee with one of... It's those types of characters. And basically, it's that type of story to where you don't even need to know that much about the plot. Things happen, and things happen in a very surprising way, but it's the characters that are going to keep you reading. You will become invested in April and the and those she meets along the way. And as soon as the audio ended, I immediately thought, nope, I need more. And I'm okay with the ending. It's not a story that ties up every single loose thread, but I accept that because to me, it felt like real life. We don't always get to know every single detail uh, about mm-hmm. how stories are going to end. And it felt very authentic to the story. While I was listening, I did wish that I could have known more about certain people and aspects. But again, it felt authentic. I really feel like this could be a book that I would see the author or would like to see the author 
bringing a sequel to someday, somewhere down the road. I would love to know what these characters are doing 10 years from now. I would immediately read that in one second. (laughs) So I think that if you like coming of age, unpredictable found family stories with very, very memorable characters, this is for you. And that was The People We Keep by Allison Larkin. Mm, I'm glad one of us read this. It had been on my radar too. I just never got to it. I think because I struggle with younger characters sometimes. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing. Oh, road trip? What? I don't want to read about a road trip. And a musician. I've been burned on one too many musician books lately. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing it. But I'm glad that it was good. And you are absolutely right about a character-driven plot twist. Sign me up. Uh, I love them. And they're hard to find. I mean, well, you don't really know if, because what? you don't know if you're going to get them until you get them. <laughs> Right. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, okay. Let me tell you about my next book. And it is Tell Me How to Be by Neil Patel. I loved this book. I would call this one a dysfunctional family relationship, but it's got so, so much more. There's themes of sexuality, culture, motherhood, unrequited love, and it explores racism and prejudice against and within the Indian community. And it's told from the perspective of two characters, Akash and his mom, Renu. Akash has dreams of being a songwriter. And here goes the songwriter. I'm like, I didn't mean to. I didn't catch that part, but I'm glad I did. (laughs) He is begrudgingly in a relationship with a man who's much older than him. His mom, Renu, was born in Tanzania, but spent her formative years in England. And she arrives in the U.S. due to an arranged marriage. And while she appreciates all this life gave her, she can't help but wonder if she made the wrong choice years ago. Akash and his brother, Bijal, head back to the family home in Illinois to help their mother on their one-year anniversary of their father's death. And Akash is struggling big time. He is ashamed of his sexuality, of his lack of career, and that he's not more like his perfect brother. He also has a pretty severe alcohol problem that he has not at all dealt with. And to make matters worse, something happened when he was younger in his hometown, and he's still not dealt with that. He spends the bulk of this book grappling with what he did years ago. And then you have Renu, and she has guilt of her own. She, in theory, should be proud of everything that she had, a doting husband, this beautiful home, healthy sons. But the what might have been keeps gnawing at her, and she takes the steps she feels she needs to to reconcile with the past. I thought this was excellent. I listened to it and got pulled in right away. Each character has a very distinct voice, and I could not wait to see how they fared. I will say it does shift pretty quickly between the characters' perspectives. So I haven't seen that in a while, where it shifts within a couple of pages, and then eventually does get a little bit longer. But it's worth mentioning that you might need to take a beat to settle it. And here's what I really, really liked. These characters are complex, and they are not always likable, but I loved that about them. I felt like I really got a sense of who they were and their struggles. And Rainu especially struggled with her life as a mom. Even though she loves her sons and they're grown now, she sometimes feels like, gosh, it sounds like sometimes she doesn't like them (laughs) that much, especially Akash. And I thought the author captured this complexity of motherhood very well, which is interesting because he is a young man, but he did a really good job with with the mom. And even more than that, I love that this book featured a queer character and that it wasn't completely about his trauma and coming out or self-hatred. It was a part of his identity, and he he just grapples with it in, in normal, quote-unquote, ways. The characters felt real, and this author has a book of short stories out. It's called If You See Me, Don't Say Hi, but this book is his debut novel. I will definitely read him again. If you like family stories, you like complicated characters, if you like that what might have been and seeing what happens if you run into your maybe first love and what if you had another chance with them, if that sounds good to you, give it a shot. It's Tell Me How to Be by Neil Patel. Okay, that sounds good. And wait, did you just read something that you don't typically like what if stories? It wasn't a what if in that way. I don't like what if in theory. I don't like the pondering. I don't like the thinking back and flashback. Oh, These characters are in okay, the moment. Okay. And they run into people. Oh, okay. That make so them think, oh, what might have been? Real life, real life. happenings. Okay. Mm-hmm. That take real them life back. happenings. Got it. Yeah. In the moment. Okay. Not not a 
let's live this life twice. No, I got yeah. it. Well, <laughs> as soon as you said flashback, I can. Okay. Now yeah. I've got it. Okay. That sounds good. I really liked it. All right. I am bringing one I really enjoyed. It's No Light to Land On by Yara Jeeb. And yeah, Ooh, this is yay. this is um, a new release. And this was also one of my January book on the radar picks from episode 31. So the backdrop for the story is Trump's 2017 immigration travel ban, which suspended the entry of Syrian refugees indefinitely. So when the story starts, you have Hadi and Sama, and they're a young Syrian couple living in Boston. So Hadi is there as a sponsored refugee coming from Syria after the civil war had started there. And Sama is there getting her PhD. So they met in Boston at a party and they fell in love and they have been together and she's five months pregnant when Hadi's father suddenly dies back in Jordan. He decides to fly back for the funeral. And while he is there, the travel ban is implemented. So he actually makes it back on a flight and lands in Boston and they they take his papers, they take his passport, they will not let him enter the US. And they immediately put him back on a plane and that's the pretty that's the start of the story. So he's very much in limbo. So this is a story about Sama is in limbo, he is in limbo and what do they do? Because of course She's trying to, and and nobody tells her where he went or what happened. He can't call her or anything like that. So she was trying to figure out what happened when something happens to her and things go from bad to worse. This is a love story that weaves together agonizing choices of of refugees, such as deciding to leave their families behind, the politics of immigration, and the life-altering decisions brought by both. It is told in alternating perspectives between Sama and Hadi, and you also get to go back to their earlier stories a little bit as to what was going on in each of their families that enabled them or brought them to make the decision to go to the U.S., and their families stayed. So that was interesting and sad because... It's not easy on either side for them or for their families. And I enjoyed getting to know both characters and also their families. The story reads really, really fast, despite the very literary feel of the writing. I would definitely describe the writing as flowery and beautiful at times. And that's not a criticism. That is just, that is. It's really pretty writing and really nice sentences. But I also think if you're not in the mood for that, maybe hold off because it's Mm -hmm. that type of, it's just that type of writing. I really appreciated it. I was definitely in the mood for this type of story. Another thing to know is it takes a little bit to get into the flow of the story because she writes shorter, choppier, almost in two word sentences. Mm alternating with regular length sentences, but it took me a while. So I, if that bothers you, keep going because she doesn't do that nonstop. You will get into the okay. flow of the story for sure. I found that this was really heartbreaking on so many levels. There aren't easy answers. There aren't easy solutions. It doesn't tie up in a nice bow with a, you know, a really easy, happy ending. Those are the types of endings I like. I appreciate the way she told the story and the way she chose to end it. And that was No Light to Land On by Yara Jeeb. I am 100% going to read this. It sounds just like a book I would love. You said In Limbo. And that is like a trope or a whatever that I absolutely love. Mm, Okay. Let me tell you about my shelf edition. This week, I am bringing Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. This book comes out March 1st, and it caught my eye first because it was sent to my house, but second, (laughs) because it has a gorgeous cover. And this is a book that asks the question, if you had the option to have a painful memory removed, would you? And what if you were offered then a chance to get it back? 
So it's got four main characters, an Irish architect living in the U.S. who suspects that his wife is having an affair, a former police inspector who's struggling with PTSD and the end of his marriage. You have a handsome young man with almost no memories at all and an emotionally closed-off psychologist who sees these patients at this memory clinic. And she uncovers something and begins to suspect that her boss is guilty of wrongdoing. And she starts to, I think, wonder about the ethics of everything that's going on. And this book is said to be speculative and provocative and explores the ideas of identity, meaning, and connection. It reminded me a lot of that movie, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey, which I really liked that movie from the, like, the aughts. But anyway... This one sounds super interesting, very unique. I don't even know what genre I would call it. Maybe dystopian? I'm not sure. But it is Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. Hey, I have not heard of that one, so that's a great ring. Okay, mine is not an upcoming release. It's one that I saw on a recent Barnes & Noble browse, and it grabbed my attention because of the shelf talker. It's a drift by Paul Griffin. It's a backlist young adult survivor story set in Montauk. So you have two best friends, Matt and Mike, and they're working on Montauk to save money during the summer when they connect with three wealthy girls. Soon, Matt and Mike can't resist the temptation that the girls and their wealth provide. And when one of the girls sneaks her dad's boat, they all agree to go out for a joyride on the sea. However, it's not long before the waves rise and things go horribly wrong. So what drew me to this was initially the cover because it's it shows them in a boat on like a gigantic wave. And I love ocean survivor stories. I love yes. them. So, and then the shelf talker. The Barnes & Noble shelf talker for this book was so good It said, I'm going to read it word for word. It said, this is a quick one sitting read that gets you connected and invested right away. It's a survival story of classic proportions with a 10 out of 10 suspense and excitement level. Mixed together page turning action with surprising and unexpected characters. And you've got a stay up all night to finish book. I was like, okay, heck yeah, yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> Whoever wrote this shelf shelf talker, thank you. So that was Adrift by Paul Griffin. Oh my gosh, that sounds really good, and I like the setting. I also love once it reads. Like I feel like we need to do another once it read episode at some point. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us over on Patreon for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalkexc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalkexc on Instagram, Tina at tbrexc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Now, have you ever like, <clears throat> like you're in church or something or somewhere where you're not supposed to laugh? That's what I feel like. Like I'm not supposed to cough right now. Oh my gosh. And like I, I can't, I can't stop. It's like psychosomatic. Oh no.